everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. I'm Travis Davis, your host. Today, I have Michael DiMarcherio. That's, I hope that's close. I'm sorry, mispronounced. Um, and he has a very interesting uh, background that went from uh, beneath the water to above the water writing books. So it's uh, very, very cool. But Michael, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself, and uh, we'll kind of take it from there. Thanks, Travis. I'm uh, I'm Michael DiMicurio. I'm author of the most recently published uh, book, Dark Transit. Uh, in a couple of weeks, a new book is coming out called Panic Switch, and that'll be in print and Kindle and uh, audiobook. Uh, my books are narrated by a gentleman named Joseph Cortmanch, who uh, is a close personal friend of mine. And uh, of course, every time he mispronounces something, I rake him over the coals. So, uh, <laughs> as you, you should, know, this, this latest book, it, it's going to be letter perfect because I, uh, audited every single chapter that he narrated and we only had one disagreement. He insists on pronouncing the, the name Regina as Regina rhyming with vagina, which I objected to. And he said, that's <laughs> tough. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I do the same when I get the audio book, I go, I go through the book. Read the book as he, as they're saying it, because sometimes I can leave out a sentence or two, which which sometimes are important sentences. So, tell us about your uh, your Navy career. But I want to start that you were at the U.S. Naval Academy in Indianapolis, and evidently you had a good time up until your senior year when you did something most, uh, I guess, upperclassmen or some of you wouldn't do. So, you can I explain that because I, I found it interesting uh, in your uh, bio. Well, you here. know, I was I was pretty much perpetually in trouble at Annapolis, uh, literally from day one. <clears throat> it's a little bit of a smart ass, and that's not a good place to be uh, making wisecracks. Um, <laughs> no. And, you know, when I told my parents that I wanted to go to the Naval Academy, they both nearly fainted because they know that I don't take orders very well, and I talk back, and I'm a smart mouth. And uh, the Naval Academy really tried for four years, but really didn't change that. I did a uh, cut a corner when I was a senior. It was Easter Sunday, and I wanted to wash my car out on the other side of the the playing fields. And all my uh, car wash stuff was in my room, and the parking lot outside of our dorm was completely full except for the space of the commandant and midshipman. And I figured, hey, it's 2 in the afternoon on Easter Sunday. Nobody's here (laughs) except all the seniors, of course. So I'll just like park mm-hmm. in the Admiral space and run in and get my stuff and run back out. It'll be there, you know, 10 minutes and I'll be out of here. Well, of course, the officer of the watch managed to walk by that and, and saw the souped up Camaro with the license plate Ramjet parked in the uh, in the space. <laughs> so I got I got a class A offense for that. So I was restricting most of my uh, last semester at Annapolis. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But you've you've succeeded. And then you went to MIT, right? I went to MIT. Is, uh, I got a uh, itself. got a master's in mechanical engineering. It was uh, heat transfer, so not the most exciting subject in the world, but uh, you know it was fun. It was it was brain crushing, but uh, I got out of there mm-hmm. in a year. Went to scuba school, uh, drowned in scuba school. Had a near death experience. You know the whole uh, going through oh, the wow. tunnel thing. And then, uh, oh, wow. then went on to the submarine pipeline. My goodness. That's, wow. So you wanted to stay under the water is what you're saying. 
Because you went to yeah, San Marino. So. <laughs> today I stay as far away from water as I can get. My my daughter wanted me to buy a lake house, and I I won't go anywhere near water. It's like, uh, how deep is a lake? <laughs> you know, <laughs> before I do anything. That's amazing. So when when you were uh, on the submarine, did you write at all? Did you think you wanted to write, or or were you just concentrating on your responsibilities as a as a submarine warfare officer in the navy? Well, no, I was <clears throat> I was really always an author. Uh, I was writing stories as a child. I remember I got maybe two or three chapters into a book that I was making my mother type. You know, back in the IBM Selectric mm, days. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah, I illustrated the I took cover. Typing in, I took typing in school. <laughs> yeah, I did too. My dad said you're a writer. I had a date every weekend. Type. Yep. <laughs> That's yeah. also where you met the girls too, because I was like the only guy in typing. Exactly. That so, uh, no, I, I'd always wanted to write. I think my my uh, mm-hmm. I kept a personal journal all through the academy. I think by the time I put my pen down, it was up to like thirty volumes. And when I declared my major as mechanical engineering, wow. the head of the English department called me to his office and and pretty much threatened my life if I did not major in English. So I was more of a writer, really, than an engineer. Um, and then I just mm-hmm. kind of continued that after uh, the service. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So do you take any – I guess you use your experiences in the Navy uh, – in your books uh, to really kind of, you know, bring out what, what you, what could, what could have happened right in the Navy. Oh, exactly. My uncle, I, I think was in World I, War II a, uh, was it was a submariner. Oh, really? Yeah. So you probably heard some, yeah, he was six feet tall. Things. He was six feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was in the sub, I was six foot one. Which is usually okay unless oh, wow. you're in the shipyard and wearing a hard hat and banging into valves and overheads. Mm. But um, uh, yeah, crazy. in the novel Dark Transit, there were so many things that were that were stories from my personal life that I wrote in afterward, where I mentioned how each one of them, you know, was an actual event. Uh, one of them was the the near death experience that started the uh, the prologue. And I actually had one reviewer on Amazon that said, yeah, that prologue, it was just not credible. I mean, you know, that that could never happen. (laughs) I'm laughing at myself. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) Yes, it can. (laughs) That's what you want in fiction, right? When you you write something, that's that's impossible or it is so improbable that it's probably true. Oh, exactly. Truth is much, much stranger than fiction. You could never get away... You yes. know, in fiction with some of the things that have, you know, really happened. So do you write full time now or do you have other things or how much effort yeah, I, or time do you put towards your books? I do. I write full time. But the thing about it is I can probably only be in the act of writing maybe two hours a day. Uh, I probably spend about six mm-hmm. hours doing general research. And then I, it, it takes mm-hmm. a while to plug back into where I was. So there's an hour before that two-hour period where I'm rereading. And in the two-hour period, I'm doing some sort of just-in-time research. Like, what is the paint scheme on the Russian president's plane? What does that look like? You know, so you can get, you know, some, some sort of last-minute authenticity in there. 
And then I'll generally get out about between three and five pages in a writing session. And by the time that's done, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. Okay. So I, I, I'm the last two writing sessions. I've, I've taken a four hour nap after each one because it just, it's like squeezing a toothpaste tube until it's absolutely empty. So that folks, that's telling you that his books have a lot of action. So he's already getting tired just writing it. Uh, So when you read it, uh, you know, get, get some rest, uh, take your vitamins, be in shape and just go for it because you might be a little exhausted at the end of it, but that's great. That's way fiction ought to be. Exactly. Exactly. So do you, uh, do you have to write in a sterile environment? Do you, do you mind ambient noise or white noise? What, what kind of setting do you write in? Yeah, I have, uh, I have three desks. Uh, one of them is just for paying bills because your, your mind is in a different place. One of them is for that, doing that general mm-hmm. research. So I have a, uh, a table that's probably 20 feet long. That's got three by five cards and papers all over it, a big world globe and, uh, maybe some maps and charts and things like that. And then my writing atmosphere, I'm in it right now. You can kind of see some of the, uh, I love me wall mm-hmm. and the red paint and it's, uh, it's got some really nice lighting and, you know, there's submarine models and hard hats everywhere. And it's, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. coming down here, the only thing I do here is write. So when I sit down at this desk, uh, okay. you know, my, my mind is very focused on, you know, I'm back in the fiction. Yeah. So for folks that don't know what a I love me wall is, it's probably more of a military term. The things that I either, you know, I received or I gathered throughout the tenure. And it's like, you look at it and you go, I do love me. You know, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I did, I did some things. Uh, and then when your friends come over, they look at it and go, what did you do? What, what is all that about? I have some on my wall. Uh, around also but uh my wife i don't had all my you know the medals and such you got just no not <laughs> but that's that's excellent because that helps you with your thought what i love to do the research too i'm a lot like you right i'll look at maps or i'll look at uh different things i do a lot of re- I, I do a lot of research on chinese and russians and cyber and ai and i'm, I'm that's why i have a, v, a vpn on my computer right because I, I don't want to <laughs> why are you doing all this research on this you know this wild stuff uh that you probably shouldn't be looking at like you know what what's a, a small the small reactors right what's the kilowatt that they get a small reactor can put out or a lot of that stuff so I, but i do love doing the research oh yeah i i always am waiting for the you know the black suvs to show up and the alphabet guys to come knocking for <laughs> that browser history you know it, it's you know the exact way a yep. nuclear bomb works you know, you, you gotta you gotta put five pages into into making that understandable, and you're not going to do that if you don't know it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, you have to wipe a hard disk three times for it to be clean. <laughs> Just you know, <laughs> FYI. I would toss it in water, but I'm afraid of water. So there you go. <laughs> Submerge it. So tell us about the book. I'm I'm uh, the, the the latest one, and then talk about your others. I'm interested in what uh, it sounds really cool. I love books like that. Well, I I started off with a series. It it didn't really, it wasn't meant to be a series. It was uh, the first book was called uh, 
Voyage of the Devilfish. And it, it was about the submarine captain who went on a mission so so awful that he was the sole survivor and got radiation sickness and had to leave the Navy and was almost dead. Um, so I turned that into publisher oh, wow. Donald I. Fine. And I said, so now what do I do? And he's like, well, write another book. And I said, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to write about. And he's like, what do you mean you're trying to figure out what you're going to write about? You just you take it up, take up the story where you left off. And I'm like, are you allowed to do mm-hmm. that? He's like, yeah. You know, so <laughs> the second book was called Attack of the Seawolf. And in that book, this captain, whose name was Pacino, because uh, it actually originated from where my family came from, a town in Sicily named Pacino. So Commander Pacino gets recruited to, to do a rescue mission. And they, they try to get him to come back in the Navy. And he says, I can't do that because, you know, I'm, I'm sick and I'm tired and, you know, I don't feel like it. And they said, well, you have to because the Chinese captured uh, one of our submarines spying in the Bohai Bay. And the Chinese have taken it prisoner and, and all the crew are being tortured and interrogated. And some of them are being executed. And we need you to take command of the submarine Seawolf and, and get in there and, and with a platoon of SEALs and rescue, you know, the submarine. And Pacino says, well, you should have uh, Sean Murphy. He's the best commander you got. Send him in there to rescue that sub. And the Admiral says, we can't. He's the guy who got captured. So oh, wow. Pacino signs on to the mission. After that, things kept going. And this, this main character, Michael Pacino, kept getting more elevated in rank until he was supreme commander of U.S. forces in the East China Sea in a, in a little bit of a scrape with, with Red China. And then, uh, you know, at that point, I think I was maybe seven novels in, and the technology I was writing about was so far advanced over what was really happening in mm-hmm. the world that it was starting to get a little science fiction-like. So I, I started a new series uh, that was sort of set in a different universe. And I wrote two books. One was uh, Emergency Deep. The other was Vertical Dive, completely different characters. But, you know, one was a sequel to the mm-hmm. other. And after, after Vertical Dive, I took some time off um, and, and just sort of, you know, had a hiatus. And then when technology sort of caught up mm-hmm. to where I was at the last book, Terminal Run, I thought, you know, I'm going to jump back into this. So I got the laptop and I went to work and I wrote Dark Transit, which was really about the main character who was the son of Pacino, who became an admiral in the first series. So now the son is sort of a junior officer, non-qualified, air-breathing, you know, lower than whale poop at the bottom of the ocean, uh, green junior officer Mm -hmm. who's reporting on the submarine Vermont. And it's the story of a mission that Vermont goes on and, and how he sort of grows up as an officer and, and uh, gets trained and becomes qualified in submarine. And then the one that's coming out interesting, uh, most interesting. recently is called Panic Switch, where now he's a qualified veteran of undersea combat. And it's about mm-hmm. the next mission that he goes on, which turns out to be even more dangerous than the first one. Interesting. So... So you didn't you didn't start off to write a series. You just was going to write a book, and then the, the guy said, "Well, you got to write another one, right?" That's right. I think yeah, that happens a lot. I wrote my first one. 
Yeah, you got to write another one, buddy. <laughs> yeah, one more. Or, or I, I did. I did say I wrote one, and I said okay. Then I said, well, I, I created a team. Now I want to carry that team forward in another one. So I did another one, and then writing my third now uh, with the same team, but I'm adding a, a, a character that becomes very pivotal in the books. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that kind of goes. So who's your publisher? Uh, so right now it's Crossroads Press, which is uh, helmed by a guy named David Wilson. And David approached me okay. uh, during my hiatus and said, you know, we'd like to take your backlist and uh, and put it up on Kindle and uh, and get some audiobooks done. So I said, yeah, that that's great. So they, you know, they they Kindle published my book. So I, you know, reread everything mm-hmm. I'd written in the past. Of course, you know, I've never met a sentence I wrote that I didn't want to revise. Right? I'd read it and be like, you know, that's clunky. I want to revise that. But um, yeah. and then the audiobooks came out, and then um, I told David, hey, you know, I'd like to write a, a new one. And he's just like get it to me mm-hmm. day after tomorrow. So uh, I went to work and it took <laughs> maybe about a year, about 18 months to put out Dark Transit. <laughs> I, uh, I I have an experience on every book where um, it takes a while to get the plot down and then it takes a, a maybe a month to get the first page out because that first sentence is just a killer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, it goes great for about 100 pages. And then I hit I hit a brick wall. It's the 100-page stall. And at the hundred-page stall, I might have to wait three months before I can really break through and and you know keep the plot going and figure out how to how to end things. Some books get you know very tense at the end where I, I don't outline or plot the end. I, I kind of plan the beginning and I, I get the characters and, mm-hmm. and the good guys and bad guys in the in the sandbox and all the toys in there. And at about the one-third point, I just let go and just you know let things happen and one book was called phoenix sub-zero and and the bad guys were winning over the good guys so bad i had had no idea how i was going to get the good guys out of this i mean they were just dead and it took maybe two months (laughs) of just trying to figure that out meanwhile the publisher back then it was donald i find was just hammering me because i was two months late it's like when am i getting this manuscript Hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and finally I, I did about a 50 hour sprint where all I did was write and I put out maybe 75 pages, the very last pages of that book and wrote around the clock. And, and it was just a caffeine fueled frenzy. Uh, and your mind does funny things when you, when you try to write like that. I, I had no memory of how the book ended. So I went into New York city and I delivered the manuscript and Don Fine said, well, how did it end? And I look him in the eye and say, literally, I don't know. I have to reread it myself because <laughs> it just like flew out of my head onto the page. And fortunately, the printer didn't break. But, uh, you know, I, I reread it now and it's like reading somebody else's work. I mean, it came out great. But I don't know how I did. That. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a lot like you when you talk about I have to get the beginning of the book just right to go ahead and start it. But I, so I started this third book probably five times and I got about 140 pages into it. I go, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't make it work. Right. So I decided to start it again. But then what I found out as I'm writing this again, I can use parts and parcels of what I've already written and I can work it in because it's somewhat similar. So now I can work it in. 
to where it matches up. And because I, I have a lot of, there's a plot, but there's also a lot of subplots or things going on at the same time that I, you have to put them in order and gel at the same time to get the, fin- the, the book completed, right? Where, where it kind of makes sense. But I'm a, I'm, I'm a lot like you where I'll read it and I go, okay, I got I to gotta look at this again. Uh, and I don't, I don't outline per se. I, I, I like to walk in the morning and when I walk, I think about things and then I come back uh, and, and hammer out, you know, until I'm tired. And it, I said, well, I'm going to write tonight. And when I time I have to, I said, I can't. I, I mean, it would be worthless for me, but I'll think about something, you know. But yeah, so I think that, but uh, I'm starting to be more uh, disciplined. I guess that's a word. That's a good word. Well, it's funny. It's, it, you know, plotting a scene or, or even plotting the, the first part of a book, it's just not something that you do at a laptop. You know, you've got to be out on a run or you've got to be trying to get to sleep mm-hmm. and it's three in the morning and your mind is plotting a book instead of, instead of letting you go to sleep. So I, I'm with you there. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the one I'm writing now, I'm about 35% into it. If you go by page count of, you know, similar novels and, you know, the plot that I had in mind, just, you know, at the hundred page stall seemed impossible. I just, it wasn't going to be credible. We'd never really get there. But fortunately, something happened mm-hmm. in the next hundred pages that makes it perfect. So, I mean, it's going to, it's going to, mm-hmm. you know, going to land that thing right on the, on the numbers. So sometimes I think your mind Excellent. in the background is, is coming up with solutions that are just not in your conscious mind at all. Yeah. You ever wake up and go, oh, I got, I got, I got to get something down real quick before I forget it. You know, I thought about it. So do you, some authors, I did this my first book. I broke the book into acts, act one, act two, act three, because I did some research. How long should act one be in a book or act two and act three? And that, that did help with the first. I didn't do it for the second. I'm debating the third because I can always, you know, break it up after. But do you ever do it like that or is it just straight, you know, chapters? Chapters and sections. Well, no, I I probably break everything into uh, four. I just call them book, book one, book two, and there's a title of what book mm-hmm. one is. It starts after the prologue, and you know it, it may have a title like um, the Monday or Command Detonate or mm-hmm. you know the the Battle of June six, for example. Uh, and then right. you right. know at the end of that fourth book. Then we have the the epilogue, and it kind of ties up all the loose ends and brings everything to a close. But it's it's kind of a natural process for me. I don't really consciously think too much about it. It's it's sort of book one is sort of the setup. You know, what are we doing here? What's the conflict? What's the issue? And then book two might get into details mm-hmm. about you know what are the bad guys doing. And then book three would naturally be okay. Well, what what is what are the good guys going to do in response to this? And then book four is when, you know, we were in the boxing ring throwing punches. Yeah. I, I, I kind of look at it like that, uh, I think, also, because I want to I wanna make sure that, I, you know, I get what I want to accomplish at the end. I want to make sure I can start at the, at the beginning of it. What's, you know, what's the plot going to be like and who's involved in that plot? And, and then, you know, more of the details or the technology goes into it. Because I do add, I, I do add, uh, add technology, and I was talking to somebody during a book signing and explained the book. He was, oh, so it's like an old Tom Clancy. I'm like, 
You know, yeah, you know, where it's not like it's believable, right? But it's not like oh, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I kind of, I kind of like that. But I, I, I think I have similar writing styles, you know, uh, like you. But I've, you know, so many authors that they have different. Some have to be in a sterile environment, right? There, there's no noise. There's nothing. They got to sit down and write. And they'll write for eight hours, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't even know if I think for eight hours anymore. That would that would be kind of uh, tough for me. So, what do you do in your leisure time when you're not when you're not writing and or you know thinking of diabolical plots? <laughs> in the summertime, I, I try to ride my motorcycle as much as possible, and it, it's funny because you know we talk about things that you do when you're when you're trying to plot a scene or or solve a, a book mm-hmm. problem. A, a lot of my work there gets done on a two lane blacktop on top of a bike. Uh, in the wintertime, obviously that's not real possible. Uh, so sometimes some of that work is when I'm shoveling snow. We get about 90 <laughs> inches of snow here a year. In fact, we've got about an inch of snow outside now. Um, I'm surprised my internet connection Holy is, is keeping up with this. I better knock on wood because it's satellite connected. And uh, it does not like snowy weather. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So I, I had, I've had, you know, a couple motorcycles, a few. And then I had one and uh, my brother-in-law came over from Germany, two of them. And we're like, we're like hey, we want to go out to Vegas. I said, well, you know, so I've got a trailer, but we'll ride it, trailer it you know, back out all the way out to Vegas. I live in Dallas, but I rode, I remember riding through Grand Canyon and there are four corners. I mean, what? A, and it was hot as Hades. You don't even know you sweat. And so you get up, you stop your bike, you go, Oh, click. <laughs> I think I need to drink some water, but I, I do. I love, uh, I love riding motorcycles and, 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 and things like that. I, I, I do like that stuff. It does help you with your, cause you see things, right? You see things in another perspective. Oh, and yeah. You could go by the Absolutely. same place every day. I, I've driven from Dallas to Little Rock, uh, how many times? And I drove driving back the other day. I go, I've never seen that, and it was old. It's not like they just built it. So, because you you, you know you're, you see something in peripheral vision, and you go, oh, you know, maybe I can put that in a book somehow, or where I've been. I like to put real places in the book so people can actually visit them. Oh yeah, exactly. That, that's that's a that's a great way to research is to go to exactly where. You know, you're uh, you're writing about. Sometimes you can't do it. I mean, you know, I've never been to Moscow, right. and I'd like to, to 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 go someday. But I'll I'll rely on Google Earth and and the internet to show me. You know, what does this particular yes. building look like? Yes, I've, I've got a place that I put in all my books. I was writing the ending of my first book, and it's in Manassas, Virginia. Hanging out with my son and his friends and wife. I'm like, man, I said, I love this place. This place is where the team goes after a mission to decompress. It's a brewery. <laughs> you know, the, the beer is fantastic. The folks are nice. I said, I'm going to put this place in my book. So I went up and talked to, you know, the guy that, that owns it and everything. He goes, oh, yeah. So it's in all my books. And actually, I have book signings there. Uh, oh, wow. It's called great. Eavesdrop Brewery, Manassas, Virginia, if you ever get the opportunity. And it, they say, oh, hey, you know, I said, hey, got you in the book and, and everything. But it, because I want to make it where, Hopefully one day, you know, when the books take off or whatever, you know, there'd be three or four people sitting around that match the characters and somebody read the book going, nah, that, that can't be them, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> you ought to, uh, you ought uh, to have a signed copy of every book that they're in. You know, oh, they, they, they can oh, display yeah. it up front. Oh, yeah. They, they, yeah, they, uh, as a matter of fact, 
that's a good point. They brew, they, they have a brewmeister, right? So I said, man, how about if I commission you guys to make a beer for me? And we call it Team Texarkana. And it's like going to be like a German Pilsner type beer. So I'm gonna, they were like, yeah, let's let's do that. I'm like, now that would be cool. Everybody say, where because everybody say, where's the name of a beer come from? I mean, everyone, like they're so strange. Where's that name come from? Oh, it comes from a book that were that the brewery's in. So you got to think. Yeah, that's so, so that brings me to the thing. How do you market? How do you market? You a know, book? a lot of uh, how do you do? I'll, I'll, for me, it's it's mostly word of mouth. Uh, pretty active on Twitter, um, and you know, I just mm. yes, I pretty you much are. Just let my personality <laughs> blow on out there. You know, and uh, and in, in fact, yep. that was one of the reasons for the hiatus I had writing because I'm I'm like so forthright on social media that I had to you know hear some of my Facebook posts read in a court of law in a custody battle, and it was not pleasant. So I actually got off Facebook and, oh, no. and shifted over to Twitter. Uh, but now, you know, the kids are all grown and it's, you know, not an issue anymore. So I can pretty much say whatever I want. So, um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I just, you know, started describing the writing process and, you know, the problems I was running into with writing. I think I'm, I'm connected to, you know, pretty much a, a larger writer community. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see. Uh, other people like yourselves sometimes having the same problems I have, and it, I think it's it's good for business. And then, you know, I may put in a snippet of something I'm writing now or something I wrote before. Um, cover art is always a, a a good thing to throw up there and say, you know, here's how we did this. Um, you know, here's an argument I had with the guy who did the cover art. You know, something that humanizes the process so people. People get interested in it, and then yep. you know I'll, uh, I'll I'll sometimes somebody will send me a review. I'm a passionate believer in not reading reviews of your own work, and I don't know how you feel about that, but mm-hmm. uh, every time I read a review, it affects my process, so I try to avoid them. But you know, somebody sent me one from the other day um, that was like a five star review and going crazy about you know how amazing the book was and how great the submarine stuff was and you know how real the characters are and then they barbecued me a little bit because they Mm -hmm. said you know every woman in your book has got a big chest and narrow waist and mile long legs and you know hair down to the (laughs) middle of her back and and i you know i I wrote on twitter hey you know everything i write about women is from real life experience you know none of this stuff is adolescent (laughs) fantasy guys this is you know i really knew these yeah yeah and so and and i'm sure you're you're, uh, hey I was in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I know, you know, if you're like me, you know, you remember a, a, a crazy character and he just shows up, you know, in your manuscript, right? Because you just know exactly yeah. not only what he would say, but how he would say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you, put, you, you, you put a little bit of yourself in every book. And you put a little people, a little bit of everybody you've probably met in an amalgamation of somebody that's a single character. That because uh, I mean, some of my characters are kind of tough. I uh, and one guy, you know, uh, Will, who's a kind of a maker. He's, he's smart, very, very uh, intuitive, but he's a little. He can be a knucklehead sometimes, right? But he break. He's he's the one that breaks up the stress. 
when you're just you gotta have somebody that can say something and break okay okay now um, the stress i can relieve that stress a little bit because a lot of these environments are and i think that maybe comes from a military perspective right i mean uh i was in 20 years and you know either me or somebody you could, you have to break up some stress sometimes or you you just go you know ape shit basically oh absolutely absolutely no we had a yeah. we had a lot of fun on the submarine it was a bunch of very very hilarious guys and you know we knew how to buckle <laughs> down and do you business can't go too but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so where can people uh, reach you michael where would be the best place everybody can find you and your books I think uh, the best way to, to get to me is on the X platform, formerly Twitter. I think I'm at Mikey DeMercurio. And, uh, you know, my uh, my whole life's on there. So want to know something about me? There it is. Excellent. So, I, I you know, I do file, follow Michael, and he has some uh, anecdotal information <laughs> sometimes out there. And sometimes it'll make you giggle. Uh, so I'd, I'd highly advise going out there and, you know, checking him out, uh, check out his books. Um, uh, and, uh, he's got a new one coming out. So you kind of put that on your, your, your list of things to look at, but I think, you know, uh, appreciate your service that you did for the country, uh, back oh, then you, cold war. There was, there was a, it, that cold war was simmering to, to boil over every day. And oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I don't think some people realize that things that happened that, you, you know, I spent uh, countless days and months walking the east-west German border and the Czech border. And it, there were some things that, uh, you know, were interesting, and especially from uh, from the subsurface world. There you go. Well, I knew that was going to come it, out. It never <laughs> happened. We were never there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but excellent. Well, Michael, I appreciate the time you took, and uh, it's been a great conversation. I wish you the best of luck, and uh, folks, go check out his books and uh, kind of uh, ping him on Twitter. Thank you very much, Travis. Thanks for having me aboard. Yes, sir. Welcome aboard.